Welcome to week four of Let's Start with Jesus, a five-week series designed to help us all understand the basics of the most influential and the most interesting man in the world. Today we are asking, why did Jesus die? The Hebrew Bible claimed that one day God would change the way God and people related to one another. This new covenant would be more intimate and more relational, a covenant of love instead of law. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. The prophet Jeremiah. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your body and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. I will take the initiative, and you will obey my statutes and carefully observe my regulations. The prophet Ezekiel. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, Jesus. Oh, we didn't use this trailer last week, um, and uh, some of you looked at me afterwards like, where was the music? We came on Sunday just to see that. I'm like, well, we need to increase your motivation. Um, but did you catch that in that last verse? Um, on the night of the Last Supper, that's the context, all right? I want to bring us out of the arcade video music and into a moment where we can just look at this. This is his last meal, his last teaching, his last opportunity to be with the disciples who he'd been spending his time with. And he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This was the primary way Jesus wanted his disciples to remember him. Right? I, I, I want to lay that foundation at the very beginning. We can't just view this as a, as a meal that's become beautiful art and we, we participate in our services around it. This was highly intentional by Jesus to say these words and to offer them a cup as they were trying to understand what was happening, even though they had no clue what the next 24 hours was really going to unfold. It is the primary way Jesus wanted his disciples to remember them, to remember him and to carry that witness to others. This was the way that Jesus thought was the best teaching tool. I want you guys to hear that. Like, we've been intentional about slides and graphics, but this was Jesus being a, not just a great teacher, but being a teacher that actually has authorship abilities. Like, it was like the scriptures were coming out of him. This was his way of letting the world know, especially his disciples, of what the relationship with God was going to be like moving forward after the death and the resurrection. And so before we get into all this, I do think I need to say this, because we're now starting to have a, a time either online or with some of you in person where I don't fully know your stories. I'm grateful that we have some new people that are starting to sit with us. 
And this series is really designed to help people that don't yet believe in Jesus to understand who Jesus is so that they can choose to put their trust in him. Um, But it's also for us that do believe as a way of you beginning to understand, well, what ways in my relationships can I now talk to people about what I believe about Jesus? Because I know that they are going to want to know why I believe in Christ. And so I think it's important to start with this is you are loved by God. Can I just stop there just for a moment? I know some of you um, have a, there's a lot of different aspects of this room that might make it hard for us to hear this. But do you understand that you are loved by God? Nothing's going to change that. I think it was very appropriate to have Theo and Sebastian up here on the stage with us getting ready for this teaching. Because I know Andrew and Laura. The first time that they got to see Theo and Sebastian, they didn't say to them, I can't wait till you prove your obedience to me so I can love you. They didn't do that. Matter of fact, there's times in the middle of the night where they're being asked to go back to bed and they don't do it. But that has not changed the amount of love that Andrew and Laura have for Theo and Sebastian. And I want you to know that no matter if you don't hear anything else through the rest of this teaching, is that Jesus' death made it possible for you and I to know exactly how much God loves us, period. We are loved beyond our wildest imagination, and there's nothing that you and I have to do in order to receive that love. We are loved by him. So let me just do a quick review for those of you that haven't been able to follow along because we are now in week four of a five-week series that's just about Jesus. In the first week, we talked about when did Jesus live. We looked at the first century and the influences of what that first century was like. And then we took week two and we where do we go to learn about Jesus? And we talked about the importance of the people of God and the word of God, the book of God, the Bible, the, the divinely inspired um, 66 books, the library that we have that we can go to to learn about Jesus Christ and how God has been loving and pursuing the world all along. So there's ways that we can do this predominantly through us and through this wonderful gift of Scripture to us. And then last week we talked about what did Jesus teach? And so today's going to be a continuation of that because it makes sense that Jesus would teach about his death. And so he actually does. And so last week we talked about what Jesus taught. And I'm going to refer to that again in just a few minutes. But today we're talking about, okay, why did Jesus die? And next week we're going to talk about who was Jesus. So let me let me take you back. I, I, I recently dropped my son off at college. So now Ginger and I are empty nesters and we're trying to figure out um, how to bring noise back into our home. Um, and uh, one of the things that, that my son would teach me was a lot of phrases that I really never knew you could say. Um, it's, I didn't know what they meant. But sometimes there's this phrase like, what the what? I was like, what's that? And but really what it is, is it's a way that he learned to express um, his like shock that that is something amazing or something good or like how could that come out of that? Like it's 
it's, it's this, this overwhelming, like, what is that? Or like, how, like, there's, it's just an awestruck expression about awe. And I believe when you and I look at the death of Jesus, we can begin to just say, this is, this is just beyond comprehension. Because in order for Jesus to die, he had to be publicly flogged and beaten he was publicly executed, and then the Bible refers to that as good news. And, and a lot of people are like, what the what? <laughs> like, how is that good news? That a, a good man that taught good things, that healed people, that, that, that gave food to thousands, that calmed storms, that cast out demons. Like, there were so many witness ways that this is the man you would want to be your neighbor and they publicly humiliated him to the to where that he died a embarrassing public execution on a cross and we call it good news and it was a stumbling block for the early church because they would go around saying yes Jesus is our king and they're like uh you mean the guy that we just crucified like could you imagine just weeks after the, the ascension and, and, and the disciples come out of the upper room and start walking around Jerusalem saying, Jesus is Lord. And a lot of them were just, were just like, wait a minute. We saw him publicly humiliated. Like, how is that powerful? How is that good news? And so for us, I think many times, especially this, uh, we, those of us that go to church often, we lose sight of how powerful the death of Jesus Christ really is. How miraculous, how loving, and how kind this, this display was because it's just become easy for us to talk about. So Jesus turns in his death all of the perceptions about power, all the perceptions about strength and control upside down. And what we're going to find is that Jesus taught about this, so we shouldn't be surprised. So Jesus predicts his death three times. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record three times that Jesus talked about his death. Jesus plainly talked about it, so much so that the disciples were always frustrated or sometimes even got combative with Jesus because they didn't like the idea that he was saying, oh, I'm going to die and I'm going to resurrect. And there were times that even Peter would, get, would pull Jesus aside and say, Jesus, you're upsetting the other disciples. You got to stop talking this way. And we got the phrase, get behind me. And we, many times we think that it's a phrase of condemnation to Peter. But I almost view it like the time that my kids were with me in Manhattan for like the Thanksgiving parade. We got to experience that one time. And... It's the only time I ever told my kids to be selfish with the concrete underneath their feet because people were literally trying to get to the front to see the parade coming by and they would send their kids through the crowd and be like, hey, that's my kid up there. I'm like, we'll call him back, <laughs> you know, because we got here at 4 a.m. and we we're holding. And so there were times in that crowd where I said to my kids, get behind me. Get behind me. I'm going to lead you through this darkness. I'm going to lead you through this uncomfortable place. I'm going to lead you through. And, I, and, I, and yes, there's a, 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 a tone of, um, Peter, listen, you need to be quiet. You are the one that's upsetting the systems here. 
But I also want you to understand that if Jesus was the revelation of God's love, I believe that there's a way God was loving Peter by saying, just be patient, get behind me, follow me, and it's going to make sense for you. And I believe that's a good word for a lot of you in the room that don't yet believe in Jesus. You can get behind Jesus and he will lead you through that truth. And he will create space for you so that you can understand the fullness of his love. But the word, why did Jesus die, can be puzzling. Because some of you are highly intellectual. Some of you have more secular professors and people in your life. And I know I've been in many of the local bars and restaurants when I've talked to people about Jesus. Some of them just say, well, I'll tell you why Jesus died. He suffocated to death. And so some people only think about Jesus's death in the physical trauma that he went through. Some people say, well, he bled out. His heart failed him. However it was, they're only caught up in the fact that he was beaten and he died and he gave up his spirit on the cross. And they're only think about it, thinking about it from a human perspective. But there are also a lot of people that are only trying to think about it from a divine or a heavenly perspective. And many times the way that they define Jesus's death is trying to simplify it down to where it's just he died to forgive us of our sins. Or he died for our salvation so that we could be free from whatever is enslaving us. Now, those things are true. But when we look at the things Jesus taught, we're going to find that there is so much more that Jesus was doing in his death. And I think it's important for us all to understand this. Jesus's death on the cross won a victory over dark power, powers in places that we have a hard time fully beginning to articulate. The early church had a hard time making sense of the things that are in this world that are unseen and the powers that are at play. But if you go back in your notes and read the gospel passages that we provided for you in the app, you will find that there were places that the demons cried out around Jesus. Like there were screeches from things that the, the writers were trying to articulate about these possessed individuals and, and how many times Jesus had conversations with them and how many times in those conversations, Jesus would literally say, you don't need to talk about me. Like he commanded the demons not to identify what they even believed about Christ and they obeyed him. And so there was so much in the Gospels that talk about the powers of darkness that Jesus was defeating for us. And so in Jesus's perspective, his death was planned. And so let's look at this. Last week, I showed you a slide that kind of defined in four categories what Jesus taught. So let me review that with you. Jesus is God with us, come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, shut down religion so we can share in God's life. And now, if we go back and look at the Gospels and the words that Jesus taught about his death, I think I can make a case for how Jesus says his death accomplishes those four things. It's not just our salvation that he was accomplishing for us. And I want to make a case for why this is really good news. So last week we talked about the love that we were made by love, God, for love of others, for God is love, and that's who we imitate with our lives. Then we talked about forgiveness, freedom, and restoration are found through the letting go of us being so judgmental. Like we have got to realize 
that forgiveness is a crucial part of how we live because that is what Jesus taught us. And we spoke on that last week. He also has talked about the kingdom, heaven beginning here and now that we can enter into it, that we don't have to wait until our death to participate in the kingdom of God, but we can join in under his kingdom control. We can follow his voice. And then we talked about his grace of how he shut down religion for us so that we could walk in a new covenant. And so let me show how these four words fit into the, 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 the three predictions of his death and why he felt they were there. The first is this, love, a manifestation and a declaration. I think those two words are important. Look at Jesus's words in John 12. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. Jesus is a manifestation of our father in heaven, Yahweh, the king of king, the Lord of lords, the creator, the sustainer. He is a picture, a manifestation of God. Jesus taught that. The next verse that Jesus spoke out of John 15. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So here Jesus is showing his disciples, my death is going to be a picture to you of how you need to set the standard for what loving other people looks like. And then standing in front of Pilate, in front of Pilate, Jesus said this, and this is powerful. The reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. So here, listen to this. He's saying all the words that I have said about being a manifestation or my teachings declaring God's love in the way that we are to love others. He's standing in front of Pilate and saying this, that that is the sole reason why I came was to make sure that I exposed truth and I revealed truth. So Paul goes on to say, God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, the apostle John, who had been with Jesus in, in his gospel says this, this is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Notice the flow because of our love for God. We should be increasing in our love for one another, those people around us. So Jesus Predicting his own death and talking about his own death shared that his love was going to be a manifestation and a declaration of God. The second is is forgiveness and emancipation from slavery and a restoration of wholeness. Listen to what he says from the cross. This is Jesus on the cross. Picture that just for a moment. This is the reality of his situation. This wasn't him in a nice little conference room in air conditioning, comfortably seated, where everything is conditioned for that environment. This is him publicly humiliated, spat upon, beaten, bleeding out, gasping for breath, all of those things. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It hit me this week. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this yourself. But what if God actually answered Jesus's prayer? I mean, Jesus is talking to our father in heaven saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Do you think it was just a phrase that Jesus said? Or do you think God actually responded with, yes, son, I'll answer that. Just a thought hit me this week. So 
Jesus says in John 8, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus came to forgive us and establish us in a family, to give us an inheritance that is beyond our wildest imagination. We are no longer a slave in this world. We are invited into a family of God to participate into that family fully. Um, In Mark chapter 10, Jesus says this, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He was giving his life up so that you and I could get freedom from all the things that are enslaving us, whether through our own personal choice or through other people's choices around us that we are living under those pains, Jesus came to set us free. And even in John's gospel, um, John chapter 3, Jesus said this about himself. Now listen, this this is bold. He's speaking to a religious audience that would have known the story of Israel. And he says to them, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Remember the story. They were being bitten by venomous snakes. And the only way they could be healed from it was to lift their eyes up towards this cross, this, 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 this like scepter thing that Moses had with a snake on it. And they were healed and protected from that. They were looking at that in faith. And Jesus is saying, just like in that moment, you will look upon me and you will be forgiven. You will be healed. So we have the love of God. We have the forgiveness of God as ways that Jesus was talking about his death. But we also have the kingdom of God. It was the coronation. His death, according to Jesus, was how his kingdom was going to be inaugurated into the world. It was his coronation. It was the inauguration party. When you have a president in our country inaugurated, it is not a public flogging. Now, there might be political parties that are verbally flogging, but, there's, but the celebration is the best poets, the best singers, the best military bands, the crowd spread out across the, the uh, memorial area. What is that area called between the Capitol the mall. I'm like, like, I don't go to the shop. That's why I don't think of it. All right. So the mall. And so this spread out with people that are celebrating the inauguration of a new president. But Jesus spoke in John chapter 12 about all the kingdoms of the world and how his kingdom was going to be inaugurated through his death. And so we look at that in John chapter 12. But we also see when John was writing on this in his letter to the, to the first church in 1 John 3, He uses the passion narrative in describing Jesus's death and what it was doing for the early church and how he was wearing a royal robe. He had the royal scepter. He had a royal crown and he had a royal sign over his head, even though in the actual gospel stories, it was all a mockery. The ways that they treated him with his clothes and the way they pushed the crown of thorns onto his head and they nailed the sign up above him on the cross. But John was saying, even though they were making fun of it, it was his inauguration. It was his coronation to say he is our king. He is our Lord. And he is now seated in a place of control over all of that. That's how Jesus and his disciples talked about the kingdom. And then the last, it goes from 
preaching or talking about and teaching his love and how he's declaring that and 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 showing that he's also speaking of forgiveness and the establishment of the kingdom and then he comes to grace and he's saying the beginning of a new covenant that makes sacrificial religion redundant it's just doing away with it jesus said this or jesus talked about his body on many occasions being the temple there's one time he was engaged with the religious leaders and they were really confused because he said that he was going to tear the temple down and rebuild it in three days and they walked away like this guy's crazy there's no way he's going to tear down this massive structure and then rebuild it by himself in three days and they had no idea that he was talking about himself because in jesus's mind he was the temple of god He was the place where all the sacrificial systems were going to rest. He was the fulfillment of the law. He was a fulfillment of all the prophecies. And listen to what was actually said in Jeremiah 31. It says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. I will not be like, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. Listen to this. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So Jesus is reminding his disciples three different times and talking about his death, about how God's grace was going to change everything. It was going to shut down all of those things religious systems and he was they were going to be able to walk in the loving favor of their god and then in ezekiel 36 ezekiel says it this way i will give you a new heart i will put a new spirit within you i will remove the heart of stone from your body and give you a heart of flesh i will put my spirit within you i will take the initiative i will obey and you will obey my statutes and carefully observe my regulations Uh, Ezekiel was referencing this new covenant, this new life that we were going to be able to step in to. And then going back to Jesus's words, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We can even look at places like Hebrews 8. It's in your notes for you to look at later. When God speaks of the new covenant, he, is, he, he means that he's making this old ways obsolete. Jesus goes on in John 7 to say, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, which we just read, rivers of living water will flow within them. And so let me, let me end this with this statement. We need to drink it up. He's offered us a cup we need to drink. Because according to his words, if we come to Jesus, if we come to him in faith and we drink the cup that he's offering us, he is going to turn us into a river of living water that is going to be a blessing to other people. The problem is, is that too many of us, like we talked about last week, have realized the treasure that God is. At some point, we decided to go possess that treasure by giving up everything to buy the field, to have the treasure. But now we've had the treasure long enough. We're going back and buying the things that we sold in order to possess them in the first place. So we're not even offering the cup of living water to people anymore. It's just not a part of who we are. We're not overflowing with this life-giving love for God and love for others because we're getting choked out by all the things that we once thought we gave up so that we could be fully in 
with Christ. And so notice the direction of this, this last verse in John 7. The first direction is come to me. That's the invitation. Come to me. Some of you need to do that for the first time. Others of you in this room need to do it for the 10,000th time. We don't just come to Jesus once. We continually come to him. That is a rhythm and a pattern the early church continued to develop to say, let's keep drawing near to Christ. We need to continue to come to him. And the second direction is then towards others. His water will flow from us. So why did Jesus die? From a human perspective, people are like, well, the religion of his day and the politics of his day coerced together to kill him. That's a fact. They did. Religious leaders Politicians got together behind the scenes and figured out a way in their systems to brutally execute him. And so, yes, that is true. But I believe that the heavenly reason is this. Jesus died because this is what he taught. To show us the love of God. To save us from our sin. And to set up God's kingdom that we can live in now. And to shut down all of the religious practices. So where are you in this process? Like, where are you? Have you never drawn near to Christ? I want to invite you to do that today. Others of you, you've come to Jesus. And when was the last time you asked the people around you, what kind of water do you taste in me? Is the water in me fresh? Is it vibrant? Do you love being with me? Or am I a difficulty? Am I a difficult cup to drink? Because if our cup is like Christ, people are going to be like, wow, that's life-giving. So as we bring meaning or talk about the meaning of Christ's death, I think his perspective is important. He came to show us what his father looked like. He came to forgive us the way his dad, our father in heaven, wants us to be forgiven. And he came to set up a kingdom where we can flourish if we just obey him. And he came to shut down all of the things that just make it hard for us to follow after him. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray right now for those, whether listening online this week or right now or those in the room, Lord, that if there are those that yet have not trusted in Christ, that they would get in behind him and walk with him and that they would come to see the truth in Jesus Christ. And Father, for those of us that have already chosen to follow after Jesus, would we, would we be a help to people finding Jesus and not a hurt? Father, we want our lives to be that flowing fresh water towards others. Father, help us not to lose sight of that. Father, remind us of the need of daily, multiple times of day, of focusing our thoughts towards our King and our Lord and aligning ourselves with His will in His way. Father, that's difficult. I know that so often I want my way like a stubborn child. But Lord, thank you so much for your love and your grace on me. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. As I, uh, we're going to take some time now to take the Lord's table together. Um, and I think we have enough cups. And I would um, love to be on the 
cup stop. <laughs> Thanks, Andre. Thank you. Um, these were a gift from our Patterson family because ours, our quantity of restock that we ordered is somewhere in shipping, um, and it has still not arri- still has not arrived. But Bill and Aida's did, so the Lord's favors on them. So, um, but uh, so they shared so that we could do this together. Uh, and I do want to remind us as we come to the table, and those of you online, I want to encourage you to do this with us. Uh, this is a remembrance, but this is also the proclamation of teaching. Like, this summarizes God's love, God's forgiveness, God's kingdom, and God's grace. And somehow we've got to let those phrases roll off of us. And let that be an invitational fresh life for others. And so whether you have the wafer on the bottom of your cup or some of you have the one with the wafer on top of your cup, please be careful if your wafer is on top because it's possible to open the wrong one. So be careful. But I would love for you to possess that wafer just for a moment. And if you could hold that in your hand and if we could just extend that to one another, because when Jesus offered the bread to his disciples, he broke it. So I'm going to just ceremonially snap mine in half in my hand because he handed it to them broken because that was the story. He was going to be broken for them and for us. And so right now I would love for us to just say to one another, this is his, this is his body broken for you. Let's do this in remembrance of him. I don't think coming to Jesus should be this difficult. <laughs> All right. I think I, th- I got it. I think I got it. Like, you guys can be praying for me. I'm also struggling. I've got bad arthritis in my left thumb, and I was trying to pop that open with my hand that has no strength. So, um, so when Jesus passed this around to his disciples, um, he's like, this, this is a cup of the new covenant. The old is gone, the new has come, and I'm grateful for that. Um, But he did this for the forgiveness of our sins. So extend this to one another and say, he did this for the forgiveness of our sins. And let's take that together. Um, We do have the tradition in our church, um, not for just ceremony's sake, but for celebration's sake. We say this out of celebration and not out of religious ritual. Um, But we join in with the rich tradition of after coming to the Lord's table, reminding each other of what is true. And those three statements are Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ is coming again. Because we we need hope, do we not? All right. And so together, let's say that together. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ is coming again. And as Andre is getting ready to come up and give a couple of announcements for us, let me just open up the room for um, anyone that would like to ask a question about what we taught today. I want to make sure there's understanding in, uh, in what was communicated. And I've been married long enough to know that I thought I communicated well, and I really didn't. So I am totally aware that I do not always communicate clearly. So, and that's not on the hearer, that's on the communicator. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's good to see you, Chris. And if you didn't hear, Chris, he was just talking about the illustration of, um, of our cup. Do people like drinking from our cup and how that was meaningful to him? I really appreciate you sharing that. Question? Yeah, Bryant. Yeah, so it, it seems like Kruger's sermon boiled down to a nutshell. Yes. Yes. Don't forget the kingdom part that was in there. He came to establish, he, like, he's the king of something, so he, he came to establish his kingdom that we can live in. Uh, God's been dealing with the sin problem since hmm. Genesis. Yes. Yeah, um, to, to be honest, I, I don't know if I can fully answer that. Bryant was asking, um, like, uh, if this was the solution all along, like, why did it take thousands of years to get to the solution, right? Um, a couple of things that I believe that Jesus referenced was that God has been showing his love through their writings to them all along, and they weren't getting it. And he was, and many times he was, he was giving them what they were asking for. Like they asked for a king and he's like, I don't think you should, you need to go that route. But they're like, no, we want a king. And he, and he allowed it. So I think that what it really shows is God's patience and how persevering he was for them. I go back to where I started with saying God loves us. When God, after the flood and God went to Abraham and that in the, in the scriptures really start to do something crazy after Genesis 12. Like that's first 12 chapters, and then you turn into the family of God story. There's a really interesting narrative that starts to happen. But God spoke to Abraham his love for his seed almost 500 years before they got law. So the things that they were supposed to do to be right with God or the clarity, the acts, the religion came hundreds of years after his promised love for them. And I think that we just need to look at God's story as saying he's been patient, he's been loving, and he does things at the right time. And Christ's coming was at the right time. And, we'll, and that's, what, that's what the Advent season at Easter is all about, or at Easter, at Christmas. The Advent season at Christmas is all about is how God got involved in the darkness and brought a marvelous light. And, um, and that's just how he chose to do it. Um, that's my best answer to the Old Testament. Other questions? Go ahead, Andre, come on up. All right. You guys can welcome Andre. You don't have to sit there like it's a formal. Yeah, it's, like, it's good to see you, brother. Good afternoon or good morning. I think, I think we're still in good morning. But... Um, I'm here because I want to start talking more about our growth communities. You've heard me mention them a couple of times over the last couple of weeks and just wanted to reemphasize why we have growth communities. And so growth communities are our small groups for the church, and they are our relationship groups. They are ways for us to strengthen our relationships in Jesus Christ through interacting with our brothers and sisters in more intimate relationships. And so, um, as you all aware, the pandemic has definitely impacted our growth communities. And so we are in the process of restructuring um, a few of them, but we still have a few that are still very active. So I'm going to put a few folks on the spot. Can I have 
those members of uh, Charles Village to raise their hands, please, who are in the sanctuary. So if you are not a part of a growth community and you are interested in the Charles Village growth community, see one of those individuals who raised their hands. We are meeting um, weekly on Thursdays um, at 7.30 or 7, something, 7, yes, thank you. Um, but, you know, please reach out to one of those individuals that you saw raise their hands to, um, you know, just get more connected. Um Lana, hi. Um, Lana, Lana in the corner. You can't see her online, but if you know Lana, Lana um, leads our women's group. And so she does a wonderful women's Bible study. And so I know there are a few ladies here who have been a part of her group. And so please go and see Lana, ladies, um, to be engaged in the ladies' um, Bible study group. And we also have what I'm calling kind of a Baltimore Metro group. They are doing volunteer work at helping out mission. And so, Bryant, um, gentleman right here in the center, raise your hand. Um, he is working with our growth community leaders, Abby and Mark, in um, those volunteer activities on, so was it Thursdays? Thursdays, and they meet downstairs at the front of the building at 4.30, and then they walk over to Helping Out Mission. And so we are in the process of adding to our growth communities, and you will hear more about that in a few weeks. But in the meantime, we have some communities still active, still engaging, um, so that we can just, again, build and strengthen our relationships in Jesus Christ. And so if you need to get connected or you have questions about our growth communities, please reach out. You can email me at connect at gcbdowntown.com, and I will get that information as far as who to contact um, about the details for growth communities. And if there are any other questions about where we're going with our growth communities, I will be able to respond to those accordingly. And any other questions, growth communities? Okay. All right, else? Let's stand together. And uh, we'll do our closing benediction. I know that we're still at a place where we can't uh, physically touch one another like I wish we could in, um, in ways of just functioning as a family. So I would just ask that you just extend a hand like towards the people that are near you as a, as a gesture of, you know, some of you can, that are, you know, are quarantined or married, you know, you can touch each other. I'm not saying you can't, but um, the, uh, the rest of us, we can just extend a hand to one another. Um, but as we go from here today, May we see in Jesus Christ God's demonstrated and declared love for us. May we see that we have been forgiven and been set free from everything that enslaves us. And may we find that we've been invited into a kingdom life that is good. And may we find that in God's grace, we don't have to earn his love. There's nothing we have to do to be loved. We get to serve him faithfully. And may God's grace and peace be with you. Thank you guys so much.